Hello, and welcome back to Tales from the Pit. I'm your host, Michael Swaim, and this is your trigger warning. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with friend and Twitch streamer Alibrow about adult autism, depression, and the challenges of intersectional identity, among other topics. Please enjoy our conversation, and the fact that there's no new short story to skip through because I'm saving them up for a special project. So without further ado, here's Alibrow. As an autistic individual, I feel like I am relatively atypical, but I think that feeling atypical is actually the typical autistic experience. It expresses in so many different comorbidities that I don't think that there is any general experience that there is. The, the only core defining characteristic of autism is that it is a sensory processing disorder and you can be overwhelmed by things in life. Sometimes that is external stimuli, sometimes it is internal. Most of the time it seems to be both for most of us, but that's not even universal. Um, beyond that, uh, I have a, a lifelong difficulty with understanding social cues in some contexts. Uh, I'm actually very socially adept. I am what in prior eras we would have referred to as high-functioning or Asperger's, uh, but uh, mm. now is generally more politely referred to as uh, uh, low assistance need. Uh, I am pretty much able to live on my own, and I see pretty much having come to the realization just this year that I probably am not capable of living alone entirely. And that's really terrifying and frustrating given the way that we approach adulthood in America. Right. What makes What's the missing link there that makes it difficult for you to live fully independently? Um, primarily executive dysfunction. Mine is, you know, like anybody that deals with ADHD or depression or anything, just that, that horrifying disconnect with, I know I'm fully capable of performing this action, but yet there's this invisible wall preventing me from doing so. And mm. there are enough things, uh, here's... Here's a disgusting fact about me. I've showered. Here we go. Once this year. Okay. Um, and the only reason that shower occurred was because I had a friend mm -hmm. over. We were drinking. I vomited on myself, and they helped me shower. And you're like, that requires a shower. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I've I've been single as of the, the early portion of this year, and that's definitely not helping my depression. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, to me, primarily a social thing. I don't have a social life outside of a digital one, so my physical, you know, milieu 
doesn't yeah. really factor into other people's experience. That's sort of true of all of us during quarantine. Right. Um, and I will say I am having uh, symptoms of whatever I have, which I am still not sure what I have, but I have some kind of mood swing disorder that expresses at different times in my life fairly extremely. But I don't know. I'm still on the journey of trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with me. Yeah. Um, but I'm having the resurgence of symptoms that I haven't had since I was like 9, 10, 11 years old. Uh, and got over in my teens. So I do think everyone is experiencing the worst of their symptoms right now. And it drives home how much just physically being in each other's presence is crucial to the human animal. What was uh, shocking to me, or I guess very unfortunate for me, was I took a job in a completely different city, uprooted my life, and moved because I thought it would be healthy for me, mm. rather than working entirely digitally, to be in a space breathing other people's air, so to speak. <laughs> that immediately became outlawed, and uh, everyone was excited when they were told, uh, go home and work flexible hours. Do whatever you want. That's what we can do now because we're a digital company. And I'll be honest, I fear for the future of humanity. I understand the benefits of switching to everyone works from home now, but I don't, I kind of, I, or I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth whether you agree or not, but I just feel like that's asking for an isolated society. And, and I don't really think that's healthy. Right. Well, and. In America, we were already really bad about that to begin with. So, no, I, I agree with you entirely. Um, I feel like I'm absolutely missing the base level of Maslow's hierarchy right now, and it's very taxing. You're over... Uh... You're overestimating me, sir. Explain that hierarchy, please. Oh, um, Pretend I'm a dummy. I do not know it off the top of my head, so give me one second to throw sure. some Google in here. What, but what is it as a concept? Uh, Maslow's hierarchy uh, of needs is a uh, it's, needs, it's like I a see. food pyramid for what humanity requires for uh, total sustenance. Oh, does so the base is like shelter, food, water, yes, sunshine, um, yeah, etc. <laughs> We're plants. Yes, uh, the lowest level is uh, physiological needs. Second is safety. Third tier is love and belonging. Uh, esteem after that. And then self-actualization is the capstone. And those all yeah. go into further detail, of course. But physiological, obviously, housing, food, etc. Uh, right. Safety, uh, you know... Let me actually go through. Do you feel you ones. have relative safety? Uh, what were you saying? You think you're on? I think I'm on the third tier. Where uh, are you at? I at this exact moment, uh, I have the first two tiers, but that is about to collapse for me in the next month or two, uh, due to housing now instability. Is, right. Are you in a situation where? you will have to give up your independence and live with a second person, or are you unsure of where you'll live, period? Um, well, here's a terrifying element for me. I don't think I'm capable of living with a random other individual. I am right. only capable of living with people who have a pretty good understanding of who and what I am and are willing to do the work necessary to live with me 
because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not great for me. <laughs> so it's not like you can go on the want ads and find a roommate. Exactly. No, I could. I, I don't think I could. No. Um, are there people in your life at this point that you think are likely candidates? Not a one. No, that's certainly that right. before I put yeah, everything I in motion, I exhausted yeah. those options. Well, you've been able to maintain at some point, or at least you referenced a romantic relationship. So what is, so for example, if you're comfortable talking about it, sure. I, I get the impression I don't have to caveat with you, but, um, like I hyperventilate and hit myself in the head with like fists and objects when I get out of control or whatever you want to call it a spell. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes it difficult for you to live with? Is it the just inability to register social cues? Because we are in a void right now. We're just disembodied voices. And I feel like I, you know, everything's aces. Like right. we're, we're never, I have no disconnect and you haven't miss. You've not misunderstood any subtext of anything I've said. Correct. Uh, I would say for me, 90 plus percent of the time with 80 to 90 percent of people, they would never know anything is disabled about me by interacting with me in normal day to day life. Um, For me, my biggest problems are um, I, I sometimes don't understand the super subtle things uh, like taking care of a partner in exactly the way that they need is a, a through line in most of my relationships that have eventually led to the degradation of them entirely. Um, further, I am one thing that is common among most autistic individuals is uh, sensory sensitivity. For me, this mm. takes uh, pretty much every form, tactile, uh, smell-wise, as well as sounds. Uh, if I am not relatively isolated from all of those senses, it tends to be very fraying to my continued calmness. And the other thing that tends to be pretty universal in autistic individuals is once you reach the end of your rope, you mm-hmm. can have a breakdown. Uh, it It's characterized basically as a fit, uh, but it's not consciously controllable. We... We sometimes revert into ourselves, uh, become nonverbal, non-communicative, and in many cases, it, it looks very much like a toddler who doesn't have any ability to control what they're doing, screaming, throwing, you know, any number of those things. Throughout life, and when you're experiencing it, do you f- are you there physically? <sighs> like, are you in your body? I am sometimes it's like you're along for the ride or are you a completely out of ex- out of body experience so to speak i am an incredibly lucid individual and i always have some portion of myself present but it is not mm. that's that's not for all autistic individuals i can at this point in my life i have learned to restrict the physical acting out but the emotional acting out is still beyond my grasp And if I have to restrict the physical and try to restrict the emotional, uh, that can lead to me being increasingly nonverbal. I'll tell you 
what resonates with me is just when as an alcoholic when i was at my worst like drinking a full bottle of whiskey throwing it up and going out and getting another bottle of whiskey mm. um that felt it felt like I blacked out and I don't mean from drinking. It right. felt like I didn't control my body. The period where I walked out of the house, walked as fast as I could to the liquor store, got another bottle and walked home. I seemed to like come to and be like, I have another bottle. Um, and that was really tricky to get around. It took many years, but I did end up intervening. Um, I'm of the opinion that anything like that is like a muscle you need to exercise. And, uh, you just make slow, steady progress uh, over excruciating years. Uh, and if you ever stop practicing, it tends to slip. So it's a never ending struggle. But I want to get to I feel like uh, the other side of this coin is there must be hard fought wisdom you have about navigating the universe with these unique challenges. What would you share with other autistic individuals or not even, I mean, just people who struggle with the vagaries of life, but how do you, have you found any sort of coping mechanisms that, that work for you or have helped in the past? Um, I mean, the one that I lean on the most is having a couple of friends that I can go to and have conversations about whether or not I am reacting to a scenario correctly and understanding a scenario correctly. Uh, those are two completely separate things, which I think most mm. people who think about their own actions and behavior understand. Um, and even when I don't understand a situation, I seem to most of the time be able to give a proper response in the moment, even if I'm not sure why I should give an exact response. Um, but... The, the generic response, like you just gave, is a lot of it is just practice. Uh, it's, it's about consent and communication, asking people what they need, what they want in the moment, and then being able to produce that. Now, is it... So you spoke about not giving partners, for example, uh, love in the way they needed it. I, I Like, love languages is a phrase that comes up often. Um is that part of the disconnect for you? Is it is it difficult to place what people are hinting they want, or is it difficult to care? Do you understand? Do you know the difference I'm asking about? I like within your psyche, does it feel like you don't care, you can't care, or does it feel like you don't understand what they're asking um, or implicitly asking? So that's a tricky question. Um, okay, caring for an autistic individual from our internal uh, state seems to be different from most neurotypical individuals because most most NTs tend to think of things in a very emotional way and and it's all about these deep felt emotions whereas my care for someone is generally just as deep but it in many ways comes out in an abstract sort of way. I, I care for people 
because I, I become attached to them. It's literally, you know, Lieutenant Commander Data of, of the Enterprise. Mm. Like, my neural pathways have become accustomed to your presence is, is my caring. You comfort me because you are part of my familiar world. Yeah, and or a part of the environment, yeah, that provides sort of a stability or an anchoring. Right. Data also has, uh, tell me if the comparison falls apart, but Data, I think, also has a cerebral respect for and, like, appreciation of and understanding and can play in that realm. And, like, I get the impression already just from the little we've spoken that you're very bright, so... I, you seem to be able to access. I'm sorry if I feel like these questions are so ignorant You're to fine. someone who's probably spent more time with autistic people, but uh, I'm actually pretty new to most of it, too. Not to cut you off, oh, but sure. like I, I'm self diagnosed, but that's like a realm you can play in, right? right? You but know what I mean, the joy of the intellectual and the abstract, yes, absolutely. I, um, like. intellectual reasoning is generally where I was through all of my life until my my earlier mid 30s yeah i live it's taken great deal of effort to not live entirely in my head right which i think is part of the reason i as i've aged i've gotten chubbier and chubbier because i don't really give a shit and it's like and i drank a lot like i don't care that i'm destroying my body because i just like to think think my thoughts uh yeah the Greek well, philosophers has, would have a lot to say about that in both of our parts. <laughs> yeah, such as? Uh, well, Let's the, go down that rabbit hole sure. a little bit. Sure. I, I mean, uh, I think it was Plato. It could have been Aristotle. You know, they, they blend in your mind if you didn't study mm -hmm. it formally a lot. Um, but I think it was Plato addressing probably, uh, is it is it Diosthenes, the guy that famously said Nero was in his sunlight? I obviously didn't. I, I I forget. Okay. The 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 Greek nerds out there will know who I'm talking about, but they will. But you've already that's already pretty credible that you're even pulling these names out. Sure, <laughs> I'll take it. I'm used to talking to people that are more educated than myself, so I end up feeling like a fool, even though I know the vague concepts. But oh, Diosthenes is from Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh, so there you go. There you go. Demosthenes, I think, <laughs> is who you mean. I think I, I'd have to look it up. But who cares? What was my, the thought? Yeah, my That's point was <laughs> Aristotle was admonishing him because he was a little bit chunky, uh, and they mm. even in that time understood the mind-body connection, and they felt that to have a proper functioning mind required you to also be at peak physical fitness which we're just finally coming back around to understanding again. That the body is a temple, yeah. Well, that, that I mean, you can't I think separate everyone... the mind from the body. The, the mind-gut and the oh, mind-body situation uh, for the brain to work properly requires the body to be functioning as well as possible. And Oh, my God, they've proven that... I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, go ahead. Just to support your point, they've proven that... Right, your gut biome, the ratio of varying bacteria in your gut affects your mood. Right. So everything is, yeah, I like, we tend to think of ourselves as not 
just sludge, but we are just sludge, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, we're just everything like our higher functions grow seamlessly out of our meat and juice and the electricity that crackles through them. There's nothing, <laughs> I don't think, metaphysical about it. It's It makes sense. We're from the sludge. Yeah. Um, have you found, so being so cerebral and abstract, which I resonate with, have you found, is that what attracted you to streaming and how rewarding slash helpful like, would you encourage other people who have a similar lived experience as yourself to try and form an internet community? Or do you think it's hollow in the end? Or, you know, how, how has that journey been? That is a broad question that actually just triggered a realization for me. So let's start there and then maybe answer the sure. more direct question. So I've talked about this for the entirety of while I've been streaming. Um, first of all, um, we skipped introductions. Hi, I'm Alibrow. Uh, I do education online on Twitch.tv about uh, sex, uh, autism, general streaming advice, life advice, dating advice, uh, and I venture into gaming like all other streamers, but I'm primarily a just chatting streamer. I sit and I talk with my audience. How you doing, Michael? Um, but... So I talk about this on my stream very frequently from my own life experience. Uh, my most financially successful period of life, I was selling insurance. Um, I thought myself for a while a pretty good salesperson because I, I do seem to be especially adept at certain types of social behavior. Uh, but I was fooling myself because I was never able to take advantage of people. Um, I, I was taught by my upbringing, uh, I'd love to attribute this to the church, but my altruism honestly comes from the perfect humanity that 80s television taught us. We were taught to be honorable, truthful, uh, communistic individuals by the cartoons and the children's shows that I grew up on. And, right. And... I was completely born into what those stories taught us, and I've never been able to shake that, even temporarily. So that perfect human of being selfless and trying to benefit others around us is generally one of my core guiding principles. Um, so I was never a good salesperson unless I had a product that I truly believed in and one of the financial roots of the insurance proposition is that on average, you will never get out of it what you pay into it. So it's very hard for me to advocate for it, despite it being a lifesaver for those who end up needing it. But uh, I did, uh, you know, in-home sales of life insurance policies to individuals. I went to, uh, you know, this this meeting that I had with somebody, which was at the end of a week that was two consecutive weeks of 70 hours of work where they were helping retrain me and getting me back out uh, in the field to work on my own. Uh, they rejected me at the door, telling me that they did not make this meeting, which was absolutely false. I confirmed it with them on the phone earlier that day and made it with them, etc. So, you know, we, we don't trick people into having meetings. Um, 
And I get there and they, they go off on me and I don't even begin to understand where they're coming from. But it's just, it's, we're all against being sold and that's what was coming out from them, I realize now. But I had a literal, uh, you know, emotional breakdown over this. I sat in my car crying for about two hours because of it and... I have not been able to work a full-time job since. Uh, it it completely broke me for it to have happened. And it just occurred to me when you asked this question and that stock response from me came to mind is that that was me experiencing a period of autistic burnout, which is still impacting me to this day which was a thing that you and I, when one of the very few things that we said we wanted to talk about beforehand, autistic burnout, is when an autistic individual uh, reaches a, a stress limit, uh, sometimes this can be incredibly temporary, depending on the uh, social network that somebody has surrounding them. It can be temporary, it can be permanent, but it leads to a loss of learned skills. And it occurs to me, I, as I said, I'm being redundant now, that that, that thing that I now carry a, a great deal of PTSD surrounding was probably an autistic burnout situation for me because I can no longer choke 40 hours down without being a crying, worthless mess at the end of that week. And so that's why I'm a streamer is because mm -hmm. I've been jumping from gig opportunity to gig opportunity. Um, my history of employment since insurance was I did uh, insurance reports for homeowners insurance, which basically meant I went to people's homes, took pictures of their houses, and I snitched on them if anything was broken. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, it's... They're random reports. It's not, you know, deliberate, but like mm -hmm. the insurance company's interest is if your if your stuff is broken, you're more likely to make a claim, et cetera, right. et cetera. Sure. But I did that for three years. Uh, then I drove Uber for five years. Uh, even that began to become very stressful at about 20 hours a week. And uh, I've been an online performer full time for uh, three years coming up a week from now. And... This has been my full-time thing for two of those years. I transitioned yeah. from Uber to this because I can't generally work for a boss that is breathing down my neck at any time because I need to be able to do things my own way. Otherwise, it's very stressful for me in a beyond normal stress level. And what... Would you say the burnout comes from the same place that uh, a, a neurotypical person would find burnout comes from, meaning stress piles yes. on? So it's it's sheer stress level, essentially. Yes, except for an autistic individual, one of the things that we learn to do through life is uh, what's referred to as masking. Behaving in a way that is counter to our nature, mm -hmm. but is the way you are supposed to be. Right. Rather than incorporating that as a permanent part of our uh, our attitudes and personalities, the, the way that a neurotypical person does, we continue throughout our entire lives to consider that to be a false front that we put up for the benefit of other individuals. It, it never gets integrated. And so you just sort of deal with it. 
as right. a necessity. Yeah. Uh, because to be our true selves makes other people incredibly uncomfortable in some cases. So we have to pretend. Mm -hmm. And that, on top of having to do all sorts of other things, eventually shatters you uh, if, if you're stressed too much. And I did a little bit of research on this earlier because this is a pretty new concept to me and to studied psychology, actually. There's very mm -hmm. few formal studies on this at this point. On autistic um, but, burnout itself? Yes. I mean, autism in, autism in general, but burnout specifically has very little study. Uh, but uh, the burnout leads to an inability to properly mask. And in younger autistics, this can lead to uh, becoming nonverbal all of a sudden for extended periods after having developed language skills. Uh, eye contact is a constant autism uh, issue. Most autistic individuals find eye contact to be the most baffling thing in existence. They either always want to be looking you in the eye, which makes most people uncomfortable, or never be looking you in the eye, which makes people uncomfortable in the exact different direction. It does, although I think... More people would fail to notice that than constant eye contact. I don't yes. Know, if, if I could throw a tip out, it would be go, if you have the choice, go no eye contact. People right. will, are more accepting of that. Whereas I'm lucky I, I cracked that one relatively early in life. And my formula for that is as soon as they break eye contact, break eye contact to match. And then when in your periphery, you see them re reestablishing, you follow suit with them. And for some reason, that seems very simple to me. But other autistic people cannot duplicate it. That's it's just fascinating. These subtle cues that we take for granted because... Right. I feel that to some degree. I often, or I will occasionally think to myself consciously about how much eye contact I am or am not providing and get mm. in my head about it, and it will suddenly feel strange. Um, and I, again, I'm not trying to be comparative at all because I can never fully know what your lived experience is and vice versa, but it seems to me that it would be like feeling that all the time. Yeah, it's, it's very similar. Uh, because a lot of the would... time I forget about it and my eyes do whatever and I don't think about it. And you don't right. have seem to have access to or uh, certain autistics don't have access to that feeling. Right. Uh, I, I would say that the mm -hmm. perfect analogy for it is the way that we autonomously breathe most of the time. But if you start thinking about it, you have to continue until something distracts you from thinking about it again, and then it goes back right. into that automatic, and all people are pretty familiar with that. Whereas uh, being autistic tends to mean on most social things, you're always paying attention to your breath. It always takes brain, it always takes brain cells to shift to, to use the gear shift. It's never automatic, so to speak. Correct. Consciously, okay. even. Right. It's... it's we're never able to to backboard it. it Sounds tiring. Sounds it, strange. It is. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And that that's the point is it's masking depending on how how high or low support you are can be uh, an entire day's worth of spoons in and of itself. I Yeah, I definitely I just don't want you to feel that there Everything is a spectrum, and I firmly believe that there's no 
the line between neurotypicality and autism is certainly blurry uh, because it definitely resonates with me that I soak up stress all weekend and then like every Friday night or Saturday morning, my partner points out that I'm incredibly depressive and irritable and it's there's burnout is a very real force. I think that's what you mentioned getting on this podcast with only two messages uh, sort of sliding into my DMs. And I think a big part of that was you mentioned burnout. And burnout is sort of the uh, arch nemesis of my entire life. And yet I constantly invite it in I don't, I, uh, because I have no ability to sit still in silence with my own thoughts and I need constant distraction. But this this episode's about you, not me. Um, so let me ask this. Well, I mean, arguably the whole series is also about you. I mean, I... I indulge myself and put my own short stories at the top. So yes, bingo, it is. But <laughs> yeah. I try to make sure the guest is imparting their wisdom mostly for the interview portion. So you mentioned data, and I'm going to run with that because I love sure. TNG. Um, data has something that I think neurotypicals apply to anyone with a diagnosed mood or personality or social disorder which is the Pinocchio syndrome. Like we assume data wants to be a real boy. Um, do you wish you were not autistic or does life just feel different? Or would you press a button that made you not autistic anymore? Uh, man. Uh, understanding and <laughs> saying with the caveat, you only speak for yourself. Obviously oh, yeah, not the absolutely. autistic community. Yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, no, I, most autistics would never think that I were speaking for them in the first place, actually. Sure, it's great. Fun, fun fact, it's it's a good community to be a part of because we are so used to bringing ourselves out of collective ideas that even inside of our own community, it tends to be understood that anything that's being discussed is not universal because the condition itself is so atypical. Um I struggle with this question a lot. A lot of uh, people on Twitter, because I'm I'm part of I, I'm more a, a a a viewer an outside observer of autistic uh, Twitter, but I am increasingly participating mm. with them. Mm -hmm. uh, most of them wouldn't trade it for anything. I struggle with that, and I'm not certain why I'm different. I really love it about myself most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I would count it in any sort of category where you are a marginalized person, you know, be it a woman, queer, uh, person of color, etc. Right. So many of us, cause I, I fall under several of those categories myself. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we're sure to hit that at some point too. Uh, but some days I would absolutely trade it. I would not be the same person at all. I can't imagine how different my life would be if mm -hmm. I were able to trade it away. Uh, but it is so core and endemic to who and what I am that it is hard to say that I, I could or would want to give it away while also it being the complete bane of my existence. It's a bane, but again, it's familiar. It 
Yes. It's the devil, you know, uh, but, in some ways. Well, but you said that you love it about yourself some a lot of the time or most of the time, I, do. I think you said. So um, what are the positive aspects? I, like, I know that a lot of autistic folks are very bright. Um, what else? Like, what are the what are the upsides? Uh, one of my favorites is attention to detail. Um, uh, treating individuals as individuals. Um, uh, I, I often very frequently describe to people my uh, one of my superpowers is the ability to keep track of small objects. If you set something down in my presence, I will remember where you set it down. And Ooh. that, especially to ADHD individuals, tends yep. to be the most magical thing that they could imagine ever being in somebody's brain. For someone to say, where are my goddamn keys? And you go, right. they're on, on that thing on the second shelf. You're like, what? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can imagine been, that being great. It has been, I've gotten so many hugs and kisses from friends and partners because of that specific skill itself. It's it's great. Make um, a decent spy, casing the room, plotting I, potential exits. Uh, I've often considered seeing what I can do to get into spying, actually, because I'm so good at compartmentalizing my emotions, and I believe myself to be... Uh, just below, you know, pathological liar level capability because I I completely lack, and I think most autistic individuals are the same on this, but I've never read anything one way or the other. I lack shame and and a lot of the, the similar penumbra of emotions. Uh, that's why I'm able to do the exact kind of performance that I do where it's mostly talking about myself and my own existence. It's it's not a facing down the void sort of a thing. It's mm -hmm. a it's not a void for me in the first place. So you it's, could it's do very. Uh, you know what else strikes me? So you're talking about cerebral attention to detail, no shame or like uh, embarrassment. Stand up comedy, man. I you would um, slay. I'm certain that I would, but I I know the work that is necessary to go into even putting together. A oh, I don't five, even know if it's alone. worth it to be a stand-up no. comedian, but you could <laughs> I do have, it. Yeah. Yes, I have always believed myself capable, but I know that to put together a reasonable, you know, twenty-minute set literally takes a year for most people, right. and I am not willing to put that much work into practically anything, let alone something like that, because I don't. I don't care so much about the regard of my peers. Mm. So that seems to be one of then the larger. Then you can't be a stand-up comedian. Yeah, right. you have to crave <laughs> it like nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> I I certainly enjoy getting that feedback from individuals, but it doesn't drive my life. Yeah, that level of the Mazak pyramid is fine. Whatever it's called. Yeah, Maslow. Maslow, all right. Yeah. Um, okay, what were we talking about? I had another one. Oh, so you must slay at uh, Among Us, right? Are I you great at am, those sorts of games? I'm pretty decent. Um, we, uh, in our circle, actually, we put a spreadsheet together. More properly, I put a spreadsheet together uh, because <laughs> there is a stats page on it. And people submitted their stats to me, and I put together a spreadsheet of the 25-ish uh, or so of us that rotate between play. And while I am not the absolute best, I am definitely in the top quartile of our group. 
Yeah, because that playing games where lying is part of it makes me feel very weird about myself. I really don't like them. Uh, and that's probably one of my very neurotypical responses. Yes. I don't, I'm like, I don't understand why I don't want someone to accuse me of lying. It feels shameful. Yes. My, my best friend Crimson, actually, she's one of the people that I play with most often. Mm -hmm. Uh, she supremely struggles with that in the game. Actually telling a lie is something that makes her so uncomfortable that I think she's the only person in the group that I can tell from tone of voice that she's lying because it changes so much. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, the way that I lie in the game is different from most individuals. Most people tend to use emotionally manipulative tactics, whereas for me, it's about taking the puzzle of where and when everyone was and crafting a convincing cover story about oh, like, where and yeah. when I was. I find and perhaps that's why I feel deep shame about it is I spent a lot of my life lying very effectively because I was a secret alcoholic and that goes with it mm -hmm. so you practice so you get good at it so I actually am a good liar and the key to it is to not change your demeanor at all just say it as if you would say anything and just know rely internally on the confidence that you have Credible deniability. The thing mm -hmm. you said could be true. Therefore, it may as well be, and say it with full, with that confidence, that there's no way they could know it's not true. Therefore, it may as well be true, so it is. Just like that was my tactic, and it usually worked. Um, and by work, I mean it allowed me to poison myself right, for yes. many years. <laughs> yeah, But I mean it did the thing. Um, so let me, okay, uh, sort of a different broad question just to get the energy going again. But do you, I, I was almost going to ask, but this is almost too flip, because a lot of people s imply, said that retroactively. So, okay, the first autistic slash Asperger's character that comes to mind for me is Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. And it occurs yes. to me because I hear, or you mentioned that you're confident and you don't, and you lack shame. And I hear you having calm, collected confidence in a lot of things. Like, I like um, this is a slight social. I think most people would not say with confidence, yeah, I'd be good at stand-up. I just choose not to do it. Most people would be too embarrassed to say that because it sounds right. show -offy. Most people. Most but people you're like, yeah, with that I'm question. sure I would be if, good at it. Yeah. Yeah. If presented <laughs> with that and somebody else believes it and they're neurotypical, their response is, oh, my friends tell me all the time I'd be good at that. But I don't know if I believe them. Oh, wow. I skipped the middleman on that. That's an interesting observation that I think you're in a privileged position to make. Yeah, that's yes. true. That I, would be what an NT <laughs> would do is you would divest yourself of having said that because that seems ego-driven. You mm -hmm. would say, well, yeah, people tell me I'm funny. <laughs> yep. That's a spot on. But so it's interesting to me. Uh, uh, what I was good, the dumb cool joke question in my mind was like, did you feel seen at all by that show? But I think it leads to a real question, which is like, what would, what do you wish NTs knew about autism or is our autistics as a group not monolithic enough to even have anything in that bucket? You know, what would be helpful uh, for us to know? Uh, if anything. Man. 
And I, by, I should have I made actually, more notes, first I of think all. saying us is weird because I sure. definitely have something going on. So I don't mean to, like, bifurcate reality into normal right. and not normal because I actually think that's a myth. But um, there are people classed as autistic for some reason. They share enough qualities that we use the same word. Is there anything that would be would have been helpful or it would be helpful in the future in your life? Because thousands of people could potentially hear this. You know, let's make this yeah. helpful. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Let's let's start with uh, giving the totally real answer to your relatively flippant question. Uh, Sheldon from Big Bang Theory has probably done the most harm to autistics of any fictional character to have ever existed. I was wondering if that might be your take. <laughs> yes. But please explain is, why. <laughs> Uh, he is all of the negative parts of being uh, autistic while wrapping in a lot of neurotypical assumptions about what it must be like. Uh, like, he is a deeply manipulative individual. And mm. you will find that most autistics hate that sort of thing. Um, most of us, uh, this one I love, I love about myself, and it is one of my favorite parts about being autistic, most of us are actually obsessed with the concepts of justice and fairness. We are constantly, mm. we, we're like paladins. Uh, if you re <laughs> remove the utter racism inherent in the paladin mythology. Sure. <laughs> is it still um, a paladin if you remove that? I don't know. That's a good question perhaps worth exploring in a yeah. game one day. But I have always been obsessed with, with fairness and not just to myself, obviously. And I think that's where the bar becomes evident to other people is when you're fighting for other people's recognition of fairness in treatment. And for me, that expresses itself most often in gaming uh, mm -hmm. because that's probably one of my, my leisure time activities that I enjoy the most. Uh, but Act, oh, what's their what's their fucking name? Um, hmm. The puzzle piece people. I need to Google this real quick. The wait, people who make puzzle pieces. Uh, Autism speaks. Oh, okay. They are, they are a uh, oh well, the puzzle piece people. Of course, yes, yes I know the one you they, mean. That's their yeah. logo. Yeah, they are an awareness fundraising etc. Whatever entity. Uh, they do incredible harm to the autistic community. They oh, are, no. Okay. Yeah, so they are headed by non-autistics. They frequently do not listen to the science surrounding autism. They are primarily a advocacy group for the, the parents of autistic individuals who many autistics recognize are generally really bad at approaching the subject. That's going to be a thorny mm. thing that I guarantee that we end up seeing some comments on this one about. Like, how dare you say I don't know how what's dare best you question for my, child. my parenting skills? Yeah, right, of course. But well, and is... as a, again, you speak for <laughs> this is your opinion, so that's right. fine. Yeah, but in in communities that are advocating for autistic individuals, uh, that is one of the things that comes up most often. Is Unless you are autistic, you generally aren't able to understand the nuance necessary to properly advocate for what we need. Um, is the and, assumption, not the reality, is what you're saying. Uh, right or wrong? 
wrong. Oh, you, okay. To be able to advocate accurately, you have to live this one. That's what like, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. on the same page. That okay. I I agree. Um so that reminds me of the movement that we're seeing in entertainment or the renewed movement, like as black people have often uh, memed and joked, like welcome to the party or whatever. Racism was always here. There's just Mm -hmm. a quadrant of white people that are recently aware of it. Um, But we are making strides or strides might even be strong. We're, we're chipping away at the idea of, you know, there should be a multitude of voices behind the scenes um, representation in our storytelling is important for groups and people to feel seen. And a part of that is having the people who tell the story genuinely have a resonance with that identity. So it makes sense to me that you'd advocate for autistic folks to run the autistic awareness program and outreach program. My question is, in your life, have you seen the idea of i have a sneaking suspicion of what the answer is but i want to ask anyway have you seen um the woke movement at all move the needle is there more or less understanding for autistic individuals than there was say 20 years ago in your experience um is ableism something that's getting any like redress in society or is it being left out of this whole conversation I would say insofar as mental uh, concerns and and disorders are uh, the rising tide lifts all boats in this case. Uh, Autism is getting just as much awareness as, you know, ADHD, depression, etc. Excepting the fact that it is less understood and less experienced by most people. And so there's a lot of misinformation-y kind of deals uh, about it, but general mental health awareness is definitely bringing a lot more understanding about it. And I feel like, just like in the 50s and 60s, uh, the ADHD awareness that was happening then and us starting to understand that there was this neuroatypicality in a lot of people, uh, we are coming to understand that now over the last decade or two. And I think in 30 years, we'll see the same level of general understanding as mm-hmm. ADHD has today. Well, that's good. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, you mentioned or you alluded earlier to an intersectional identity. Let's get into that a little bit. Sure. Uh, I am. Uh, let's throw out a lot of my adjectives here. Here I'm we go. A- Queer, trans, uh, left-leaning, anarchist, individual, uh, autistic is in there. Um, I generally identify as polyamorous as well, but uh, I am single at the moment, so that is an identity that is kind of fluid. But uh, those are most of my main adjectives. Yeah. I Yeah, my bingo card's full. Very well yeah. played. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you it that's like if a tree falls in the woods. If you are polyamorous but you're not uh fucking five people, are you polyamorous? I mean, almost all people in the poly community are probably really unhappy about me even having drawn that distinction. Uh but I my intersection with my my autism here 
makes me a very chameleonic kind of an individual to begin. I do a lot of things uh, to, to fit in properly. And while nearly every one of my past relationships has definitely been non-monogamous of one flavor or another, and I've generally regarded it as a very core tenet of most of my relationships, for the right person, I feel like I could probably give it up. But that's similar to saying that a bisexual person in a heterosexual appearing relationship does not lose their bisexual nature. Even if I were in a monogamous relationship, I feel like that is probably me choosing to remain monogamous in that relationship while likely probably retaining uh, a poly non-mono identity internally because I don't tend to think that love should, can, or generally even will be contained so tightly. Okay, so I'm out of pre-planned questions, which is fine because conversation is fluid and amorphous, much like a functional polyamorous relationship. But uh, but I wanted to ask, because I know uh, and I appreciate that you cared enough to make the effort, you did some research, you crunched some numbers, or you said you had some like facts to bring to bear or points you wanted to make. So I'll ask a question I wish interviewers always asked. Like, what have I not asked? What information should you have brought to bear in the episode that I haven't solicited yet? You know, let's get to it. Sure. Um, well, let's back up first. One question you asked that I did have at least one more piece of information. What do I wish people mm, knew please. Uh, about autism? And what, what does the community generally want to know? First of all, um, the, the one that comes to mind, I know I had two pieces, but the one that I remember is autistic children grow up to be autistic adults. It doesn't stop. It is not just a childhood thing. Uh, it's a lifelong condition. We have no treatment for it. Uh, people that attempt to treat it are generally at this point being considered to be doing harm to individuals, similar to, you know, the, uh, sexuality mm. reassignment that the, the right-wing Christian camps try right. to do sometimes. Like, all you're doing is training an autistic individual to hate themselves and to mask further, which will lead to trauma and potential disastrous results in the future. Vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, uh, autistic individuals are one of the highest, uh, I think, behind only trans individuals in uh, suicide risk. I do believe 30% of autistics is the number I think I found recently uh, either make an attempt or have serious plans at some point in their life to be suicidal uh, to the uh, trans number of 40% generally accepted. Uh, I'm in both of these categories. Those don't add together. Sure. I think that that's a multiplicative. Uh, but yeah, I, I am in a low societally supported category in multiple mm. ways which puts me unfortunately also um i found out after one of my first major depressive episodes in high school uh that we also have a family history of suicide so i've got the triple threat does what do you think contributes to that statistic from i mean please speak to it from any perspective that is authentically part of your identity but considering the topic of the episode 
I mean, I would be very interested in your thoughts as a trans person, but let's go autism first since we're that's what sure. we're nominally talking I mean, about. I think that I think both of them are generally the same problem with society is a lack of understanding and specialized support for those exact problems for autism itself it's again it's a nearly unstudied phenomenon we we don't understand in a clinical sense how to provide for autistic individuals all we have are our advocacy groups that aren't generally listened to because for some reason we're really bad about listening to people self-advocate mm. right now. I hope that that changes sometime in the near future, but it, autistic burnout is one of the, the leading causes it seems to be to serious suicidal ideation in autistic individuals because it leads to a catastrophic loss of learned skills, which in a life that was already stressful and it's difficult so to navigate. Right, it's such you, a setback, yeah. Right. Right, and so it's it's similar to a, I would say, physical disability, being in a car crash and, and losing your ability to use any of your limbs, etc. Uh, I would say that once study occurs, I will be 0% shocked to find that that loss of skill is treated functionally identical to a loss of physical ability. To the detriment of the patient, I assume. Do you Correct. think yeah. there is a uh, possible future like autism? It seems to me, just, and again, um, I've known you for a matter of weeks, but it seems to me that I have fits like I am highly function. I'm excelling in some regards in life or whatever. Uh, or I'm like, mm -hmm. I have some, I have my shit somewhat together. I have a job. I can hold it down. I have a partner. I can hold it down. Um, I was able to punish my body with alcohol for a long time, then get over it and not have my life fully unravel. So like I have some, some shit figured out, or at least I'm lucky enough to be functional. And I feel like you, so like, what are, what is the, what am I not understanding about, what what needs to change about the or I guess I mean I guess I'm putting on you <laughs> solves years of study that need to be done but do you have an inkling about what autistics need in terms of support and uh structure and societal things to address the particular issues that comes when you navigate your lived experience like can you speak to what should be done what a ideal world would look like or are you saying there hasn't been enough study and even you don't know? Like, I don't know what would be good for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is, this is, can you yeah, tell no, I've I, run out of prepared questions? Entirely. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, so one of my adjectives that I, I used to describe myself as mm -hmm. anarchist, Michael, I think you lean fairly hard I left yourself. If I understand, I mean, bold was, was a short lived project on, on small beans. Oh, there's but, a new uh, episode coming you know, out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Excellent. Good to see, Good to hear it. But 
my answer is the same to practically everyone that, that leans left is all we need to be able to survive in the world is equalized access to healthcare, housing, and financial support that anybody struggles with. If we had guaranteed housing, guaranteed healthcare, and enough money to be able to take care of things, uh, even for those of us that are high support need individuals, we'd be able to afford to, to bring in those carers uh, in a temporary or permanent basis to be able to live the independent full lives that we would we would want to. Uh, it's a very generic, no, wishy-washy no. kind People of People need answer. to hear that I, shit over okay. <laughs> and over until they get it because speaking of Star Trek, if you added up all the resources and right. divided them by the number of people there are, we would already live in a post-scarcity world. There's enough for everyone. Mm -hmm. We just aren't dividing it evenly or fairly. There's enough for everyone. Oh, my God. Yeah, yep. that's the fucking can, problem with everything. We can feed the world. I do believe most recent figures are seven times over right now on our current production. But we refuse to distribute that in any way that's that's equitable. Right. But then Jeff Bezos way. couldn't in get America, a high score. Like that's what we would be giving up. Right. It's not the just give it up. <laughs> it's not a big deal. From from the field to our tables in America, I do believe the current figure is something like sixty percent of all food is completely mm. wasted, and the majority of that is before it even reaches the grocery store because of any number of factors it's capitalism is the most efficient system for deciding all outcomes is basically what i'm driving at yes it's a it's a brutal for you and, unflinching and yeah it's efficient in the way donald trump is efficient it'll run it into the ground efficiently mm. um it seems and it's big and loud and it seems like it's working for a brief second and then everything falls apart that's capitalism um yeah. Yeah, we're in late stage capitalism. That's a very different podcast, though. That's not the purview of this show. Um, although, I mean, we can go off on a tear because I got I got 20 minutes left and I'm at the end of my material. <laughs> what? Uh, let's at least plug your stream once again. What kind of stuff are you okay. streaming lately and where can people find you and enjoy those streams? I have not been streaming lately. I'm on kind of okay. an extended break at the moment because uh, this is probably the first extended conversation that I've had about my feelings where I have not ended up a blubbering mess. Um, okay, I'm going to so, take that and run with it and dig into it. Are, sure. Is that... So, and forgive my ignorance, which I say over and over and sprinkle throughout. Um you express not feeling shame in the traditional sense. And I wonder if that's part of what goes with polyamory because I pursued an open marriage for several years and the inherent feelings of jealousy and recrimination. And even though I wasn't lying to my partner, it felt like I was, I felt the same way I feel when I play among us and am forced to lie to my friends, even sure. though I wasn't, she was in on it. It was all fine. It felt mm -hmm. bad probably because of the storytelling I've been force fed about the importance of true love and soulmates right. and monogamy. But if you understand what I mean, knowing that that's a social construct doesn't mean it's not too late. It's in my bones. I was force fed it. 
at the time when I developed my feelings about what love is. So it's in there. And uh, right. I wonder if that's part of what makes you find polyamory accessible is jealousy or do you experience jealousy and envy? I, that, that was a lot of it questions was. wrapped into one, <laughs> but I can, yeah. Um, number one, I don't experience jealousy in the way that other people seem to No. So that makes it a lot easier for me to deal with. Uh, coupled with the fact that when I bring this up to other individuals, etc., I don't feel the shame that they try to put on me for the constructed nuclear American right. family uh, and that not being a concern for me. Uh, third of all, the nuclear family was constructed as a post-feudalist problem uh, we used to live as extended family units where we had a large degree of multi-generational housing. We all supported each other. We took care of the infirmed and especially accelerated uh, post-World War II in the consumerist American uh, outcome. We completely atomized the, the family structure and because everyone could afford a house for four individuals, that became the assumed norm which was then programmed into us by the media that we were being presented at the time uh and it is you know on those two time frames throughout the the history of humanity still a very young conceit and we especially queer individuals are getting past the need or desire for that chosen family has become such an important thing even as far back as the 70s with the the queer and gay mm -hmm. crowds that existed then because you also asked me to shout out my stuff uh twitch.tv slash alabrell a-l-e-b-r-e-l-l-e -L -E -L -L -E, also at twitter with the same name um this is the thing Attention i talk about detail, on my stream <laughs> um i use a circus theme as my branding and I do that very deliberately for a lot of reasons, uh, not the least of which is it's evocative mm -hmm. visually, and I've always been drawn to it. But uh, the circus was the home, much like in different uh, time periods, for queer individuals, for those who were thrown out of their home for being deviants, for being disabled, to go to. It was your last refuge for finding a way to be able to function in society, in capitalist society specifically, and to find a chosen family. Uh, the sound that you will hear most often in my streams is the dinner scene from the movie Freaks, <laughs> I knew that's Google Gobble. I was going, yeah, one Google of us. Gobble, one of us. Um, it's, it's my subscription nice. sound. Anytime somebody chucks me yeah. a couple of dollars, uh, that plays real quick and thanks them for their support. Uh, but I use the circus and the freak show specifically as uh, an emblematic understanding of it being a space for chosen family, especially for queer individuals. Awesome. Speaking of attention to detail, stepping back into that question, there was more to it. And I'm asking mm -hmm. now in reverse order. So we talked about, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm going back in my brain. That's right. Connect the neuropathway. Oh, yeah. So the question was, why? Uh, oh, oh, there's two more. There's two more. All right. So I'm getting your shit together. Question one. 
do you <laughs> you've talked about not experiencing stage fright or like nervousness around that in that sort of arena um does that include uh you very kindly said you respect my work or artistry or what have you, but are you nervous to talk to mm-hmm. me at all? Or does that not enter into it? Doesn't enter. Into That's great. It you don't house. seem nervous. I'm just wondering um, if you feel it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. No, the, the comfortable confidence that you mentioned earlier is something that I feel I was going to actually tie that to my dating life as well. Uh, I've been, I, I tend to be conceived, especially in Twitch. I'm, I I carry a lot more recognizability than anybody else my size because of how easily I am able mm-hmm. to talk about things, and that caught a lot of attention from one of the largest uh, producers of uh, just chatting content, uh, currently going by Austin on Twitch. Uh, he runs uh, the Austin Royale. He's the biggest deal there is. And they loved me because they had me on once and I talked about, you know, left mm-hmm. politics, polyamory, all this stuff. And they were like, at the time, I was like two years ago, one of the freshest things they'd seen. And I became a regular for a long time. Depression has really curbed mm-hmm. that this year. Uh, but uh, I am for my size one of the more recognizable people on the platform and it's continues to be super bizarre to me i i peaked at 140 average viewers on my best Ooh. month and going to the twitchcon uh last year just walking through the hallway tended to produce at least one or two people that would come up to me and say they loved my st- and it's so weird for such a small thing uh, to, to produce that. I, I was recognized in the wild last year, actually. I was at a roller coaster park uh, here, Six Flags uh, above Chicago. I forget exactly what the name of it is, but I, I had a random individual in line be like, are you Alibra? Nice. And, and it I'm was so weird. I'm sorry to treat you like your robot and asks what emotion, ask what emotions you perceive, but are you able to access the thrill of that? Is that exciting to you? Uh, in an abstract way, I understand it for how abnormal it is, but being regarded as a figure of fandom (laughs) and not so much. No, I, I appreciate that it gives me power in capitalist society. It gives me clout. uh, Like it, it comes with this, this whole penumbra of things, but I I extremely value that it gives me a platform mm. and it gives me respectability to be able to speak about the things that I find valuable to educate other individuals on. Right. But the raw fame of it, I don't care about that. I care about the things that come In, yeah, with Yeah, not even fame with a capital F, but the small stakes social part of, I think, something you get to sidestep that's honestly mostly a pain in the ass is... The constant sub mental tracking of tiny, really inconsequential in the grand scheme of thing, nudges up and down the social hierarchy based on people making mm-hmm. social faux pas or saying something extra witty or not or interrupting someone or saying something awkward and uh, getting noticed on the street for something you did is supposed to give you a little guilty thrill of like, oh, I moved up a social notch. <laughs> Look at me, everyone. <laughs> and it's interesting right. to speak to someone who sort of sidesteps all that. 
Um, so the last part of that tripartite question, uh, do you have a theory as to why you're not a blubbering mess right now? Did I not dig hard enough? Did we not talk about emotions deeply enough? No, I, that's a joke. But I mean, what what about this experience that is shaking out in such a way that you don't that you're not having any feelings of burnout or I don't not to say you aren't, but. And you right. can fall um, apart right now if you want. I don't care. Sure. I Yeah, I know you wouldn't care. Um, I think it, and these are, these are my speech patterns. Uh, I feel confidently, actually, that the difference is that our relationship right now is primarily professional, and I am speaking primarily on a detached instructional state rather than a deeply personal emotional state. Uh, early, early, you heard it in my voice that I was starting to have some emotional issues, and that was when we were talking about my personal situation. But since then, we've been talking about more abstracty kind of concepts, and that's that's definitely the difference for me. Okay. Well, in that case... So, as much as you joked yeah. about it, it was because we didn't get too uh, personal. In that case... Well, see, I think you miss... You underestimate for reasons I understand now that we've had this very illuminating talk uh, that for most people I have on the show who have different issues, but not this particular issue, their situation, people are very sensitive is what I mean. I like uh, asking people questions mm-hmm. around these topics. They feel like these questions are extremely personal. They, they feel feelings of oh, shame discussing <laughs> the things that we're talking about. And that's mainly the goal of this show is to normalize, normalize and uh, a talking about deep feelings. And it's interesting that you're someone who's like, I don't even feel like we got that deep. This is stuff that most people would be very right. embarrassed to talk about. Yeah. Okay. See, there's a blind spot for me because I, I didn't recognize that in the least. Now that you pointed out, I'm like, okay, yeah, probably correct. But it didn't occur to me until you said that that this conversation has been deeply personal mm-hmm. on it's ranged, the normal scale. but on the normal scale, there have been moments, yeah. but I'd like to get a little more personal. So I'm going to thank you and wrap it up. Cause I want to at least chat for the last sure. 10 minutes. Um, so thank you, Alabrel for being on tales from the pit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Michael. <laughs>